You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 62. First off, Happy New Year to everyone. It's crazy to think that it's already 2019. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It's been about a year or so since we've been doing it. We're grateful that you've been able to share this journey with us and learn about investing and asset allocation and some of the great stories of some of these millionaires that we've interviewed. We've interviewed doctors, custodians, teachers, and we're trying to do our best to bring new people onto the show and, and hear different stories. To that end, if you enjoy the show, please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes. It helps us reach new listeners and new millionaires and continue to tell some of these great, amazing stories that help all of us. If you are a millionaire or close to a millionaire, as we like to highlight uh, some that are on their way to millionaire status and would like to be on the show and to tell your story, send us an email at millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. Last week's episode, number 61, was Joe. Joe is an IT professional with a net worth of $1.75 million. He's married with one kid. His wife works in HR, and he reached his first million at age 39. He's allocated 80% in stocks and 20% in bonds, and he discusses how he's been able to grow his net worth, some of the mistakes he's made, and gives some great advice. One thing that was impressive is he was able to grow his household income from $52,000 to $180,000. This week's episode is a great interview with Vien. She left Indonesia as a refugee and went to Australia, where she picked up her life and is now a pharmacist. Her net worth is $1.6 She has about $1.3 in real estate, $200,000 in business equity, $90,000 in cash, and a few additional holdings. She talks about her journey to millionaire and about her career as a pharmacist, and really an impressive story with her. Next week's episode will also be a great interview. It's with Jude. Jude used to be homeless, living under a bridge when he was in his late teenage years, and has since bounced back with several different companies, both some successful and unsuccessful, and has a current net worth of $10 million. So he unveils his story and how he was able to do that. He's also big on networking and, and improving your circle of friends to help build your success. The following week and upcoming, we have a guest interview with Chris Hogan. He talks about his new book that's coming out titled Everyday Millionaires. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Vien. Vien, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. So my, I guess my background would include my family's background. I'm Vietnamese Australian. Um, we came here as refugees and I was born in a refugee camp in Indonesia. And then when we got paperwork ready, we came to Australia. I've lived in Australia basically all my life. I was here as a baby. We studied and then finished university. Um, most of us finished university and I became a pharmacist and I've just been working as a pharmacist since graduation. And what is your net, net worth today? Uh, net worth at the moment is $1.6 Awesome. And how is that broken up? So, uh, I actually, a couple of years ago, I started my own um, pharmacy store as well as so my business. So, it's mostly property, actually. I started off investing in property. So, 1.26 would be in property. 200K would be the equity in the business and then 90,000 in cash and the rest is in superannuation, which is, I think, the similar to 401K, 
Okay. Yep. Yeah. And are you married? Do you have any kids? Or uh, married? So we've been married for five years. Recently, just had my first child. He's eight months at the moment. Oh, Congrats. congratulations! Yeah. So it's been a big learning curve, but it's been really fun. Actually, I've enjoyed it. I've um, got a do you guys have kids? Yeah, oh, wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And how have you found it? Oh man, it's great. But there are yeah. some days where you're like, oh shoot, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe I'm a parent. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I don't have any kids yet. I'm just kind of waiting for Jace to figure it out, and then once he does, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll start. You got a pretty uh, crazy story, right? You were born in a refugee camp in Indonesia. You came to Australia, now working as a as a pharmacist. I mean, that's really impressive. Yeah, I think most I, – I feel like, I don't know, all my friends and um, a lot of people that I meet, or most migrants just come here to – study, work hard. Um, that's the goal. And what's been, as much as you're comfortable saying, what's been your range of income uh, through your working life? How have you kind of reached this millionaire status? I would say, I guess, when I've always wanted to get into property. Um, I've seen my family, um, uncles, aunts succeed in the property market. And that's always something I've wanted to do. Um, I never really had a goal to reach 1 million or 2 million. Um, I just wanted security, financial security, and good cash flow. I was working quite a lot when I was younger. Um, when I just started out, I was working six, seven days, and I didn't have a lot of expenses, and that kind of was able to build up um, my deposit into and starting in property. And it kind of just continued on with that. I just bought first one, second one, third one. And I was lucky enough also to ride the property boom that's just um, recently happened um, in Sydney. Yeah, so that I guess it's kind of, yeah, it was never my goal, but I one day realized I reached um, a million and I thought, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, maybe ne- my next goal would be two million. Do you remember how old you were when you reached your first million? Uh, not exactly because I surpassed it by the time I actually sat down and calculated. So maybe 27? Yeah, maybe 27. Wow, that's really, that's really young. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that that's um, also with the the property boom as well. Um, I think when I bought it was 2011, and uh, and that was when the, I felt like the world was ending. Um, so the US was just still in the middle of the recession. Japan, France, um, Greece, it was all over the news. And um, I, I liked Warren Buffett's um, quote: "Be brave when when others are scared or yeah or fearful or something." Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So that's uh, I just followed that quote, but I was quite stressed as well, thinking that I have a mortgage and if it it went down another fifty percent or something, I think I would be would have been quite screwed. <laughs> so let's go through those properties. Maybe talk about what each of them are and and maybe how much you purchased them for and how much they're worth now. Yeah, sure. So the first one I purchased was around four hundred eighty k. It's a house. And it always gave me enough income, uh, rental income, to cover my mortgage. That was the main the main goal I wanted as well. Um, I needed something to be able to cover a lot of the mortgage because I was just starting out and my income wasn't very high anyway. And then uh, about a year later, uh, I purchased my second property, 450K. But the second property was um, negatively geared, which just means I was losing money on it. it the rental wasn't covering uh, the mortgage. And so I built a granny flat at the back of it. And once the granny flat was built, the two incomes covered my mortgage. And those two, they're quite similar in price when I purchased it. And 
So they grew at the same rate um, because they were both in Sydney. Uh, so right now they're probably around 1 to 1.1 million. And the third property was is, is an apartment um, in Brisbane. So it's a different city. Um, that one hasn't gone very well with equity, but it's always had the cash flow. So that's always covered my more, but probably uh, equity-wise, it's probably only around 100K equity extra. Gotcha. And those were all purchased generally around the same period? Probably the first one, and then the second one is in the second year, and then the third was in the fourth year. So I think in the third year, I built a granny flat. So there's always a project to do each year. Yeah. So that, that Warren Buffett quote, uh, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. So you bought at the right time. Yes. Yeah, luckily. Um, it could have gone the other way, I think. And yeah, you can't really, it's hard to tell, but I, I just, I, I felt like it was the right time. Yeah. And, and so now where do you go? Do you, are you trying to buy more real estate or more properties or, or what's kind of your plan from here? With the interest rate so low in Australia, I think it's 1.5%. With the Reserve Bank at the moment, I'm definitely taking advantage of paying down a lot of my debt until I'd, I'd like to be counter cyclical when I invest. So I'd like to wait till interest rates start rising again and pe- people start panicking again. And maybe, maybe I'll think about jumping back in if I have the, the cash flow and the, the cash. Yeah. So, but basically right now I'm more working on my business. So hopefully we can increase profits, increase sales um, with the business. Um, so I'm not into property at the moment. Um, more business and working on, I guess, creating, I, I'd like to get into shares. I don't know too much about shares, but when I read about financial independence and listening to your post, uh, your podcast as well, a lot of people get into Vanguard and mutual funds. And that's something I don't really know much about. So I'd like to learn about that as well. Yeah, I think, you know, those that we've interviewed here in the US, it's it, a lot of people are in, in the markets. It's It seems to be mm. more commonplace than the people yeah. that we've interviewed that have been international. Mm. It just It's a larger emphasis here in the States. Yeah, especially some of the major companies like, like Facebook or Google or Amazon, we don't have that in Australia. And the returns that you get is quite amazing What are, from what I've heard from your podcast. Sure. But you could still probably invest in those, right? Yeah. Still learning how to. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, for, for some of them that we've interviewed, that it seems like the simplest place to start is just index funds. Yes. You know, yeah. broad-based index funds. So let's talk about your business a little bit. Did you start that after graduation or how long have you been doing in your business? So I worked probably for five years for other people, for other pharmacies and companies. And then I started uh, when I was 28. So I'm 30 now. It's been nearly three years, two years and a half. And it was just a pharmacy, a store that was owned by someone and I purchased it when they sold it. So in Australia, there's a lot of independent pharmacies at the moment. And the, I guess a lot of people's goal after you work into, in a pharmacy is to be an owner. Um, that would be the main goal, I think, for most people. Awesome. So... Do you have a target net worth that you want to hit at some point in the future or, or you know, you're super young? Where, where do you kind of go from here and, and how big do you kind of want to grow this business? I think what sales right now would be, I mean, it's a small business. It's a million at the moment with sales. I'd like to reach two to three million. I haven't had any aspirations to expand or continue further. Um, I take it one step at a time. Each year I have new goals. At the age of 30, 
I think going forward, I don't really have a goal net worth. Um, I think being able to reach million, two million, it's just icing on the cake. It's not something that I really analyze as much. My, my main goal would be cash flow. So I'd like to have, say, as I reach 40 or 50, it would be nice to have at least $8,000 in cash flow per month that I don't really have to worry about it from my investments or something. So cash flow and I just, yeah, just financial security, just to be able to wake up and not have to worry um, so much about where my money's coming from, where it's going. Yeah. And about how many properties would that take to get that 8000 into cash flow in Australia? So right now, the, because because I have the mortgages, my cash flow right now per month is two thousand four hundred, and I'm saying around forty uh, at the age of forty plus, because by that time my mortgage would have gone down. So if my mortgage does, do, if I pay pay off most of my mortgage, that three property would give me that that amount of cash flow. That's assuming if I don't add any more properties into my portfolio. Oh, wow. So you could be there after those mortgages are paid off, basically. Yeah. Yeah, basically. I'd, I'd like to just hold on to them for the rest of my life. Anything on top is icing on the cake. So how has the transition been, you know, getting married and, and, and having a, a child and everything like that in terms of working out your financial situation and your dreams and your goals? And, and how has that kind of transition taken place? Uh, it's definitely changed it a bit. So I guess with children, if you think about having children, your cash flow changes, obviously. Priorities change. Never really thought about um, saving money for schooling. Um, the, the public, a lot of public school in Australia, and a lot of them do very well. It's A lot of them are academic as well. So you do an, an exam to get in, and it's a public school, and it, it, they're ranked number one, number two, number three in Sydney. But then people have always talked about benefits of going to private uh, the social benefits the people you meet so it's that's something that i've been thinking about a lot and i'm not sure if i should be investing in that or not yeah did, did you guys go to private or public i went to a private for a few years growing up and then public for you know we call junior high and high school yeah so yeah just for a couple of years are, you guys are perfectly fine yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you, you think hope. you know you don't, you don't know us yeah so I want to ask, I want to go back to your business a little bit. Do you put a lot of money back into the business or, or is that something you just kind of keep the profits and, and try and keep growing? How much of the income and the earnings that you make from your business do you put back into the business and how much do you invest? So the money that, that I get from the business, there's not a lot. Um, there's a, quite a big loan on the business. Um, so the, a lot of the money pays off the loan. Probably right now around 40000 I I can take 40000 out of the business each year for my personal expenses, um, but the rest would definitely go back into the business. Um, so right now I'm re- relocating the pharmacy to be next to a new medical center, so that's costing and the fit-out costs money as well. So always reinvesting back into the business, I find. Um, cash flow is a very tricky thing with um, businesses and retail as well. Uh, that, that's what I've learned from it. Awesome. So uh, is your husband involved with the financials? Not really. Um, he's I've I've been trying to get him on board. He's just starting to get on board, um, especially now that we have a, a little family of our own. He's always been more, I guess, relaxed with his finances. He does have a property himself. Um, that's something that I pushed on him as well. But I would not live with him if he didn't have his own property, which he could have. He, it was easy for him to get, but he just didn't want the stress of it. So he was, he was more relaxed about it. 
Yeah. So do you set goals, either as a couple financial goals or individually? You know, a lot of times we hear these millionaires, they have a morning routine or they're heavy goal setters. Do you do any of that? I'm, my, my goals are, I have a broad goal uh, for the year. So every year I have financial and personal goals to reach. Um, I reassess them, I guess, every couple of months, but not on a daily basis. I'm not the type to write down exactly what needs to be done, the what I need to achieve on a daily basis or anything, but definitely on a yearly basis. Gotcha. So just kind of going back to the very beginning here. So obviously you've learned what you want to do and your investing strategy and how you've kind of wanted to allocate your money. How did you learn all this? Did, did you start reading books? Was growing up or did you learn it from a friend kind of how did this whole you know movement to your financial success start definitely during uni i had a lot of time i felt like besides study you know you don't have any other responsibilities so i think during uni there was i had very little money i wasn't working i only worked during school like the holidays so i didn't have much money and i guess i had to learn how to be frugal and save and there was a point in time where I had $3 in my bank account and $5 in my wallet. And I thought, well, I shouldn't, should never ever get back to that stage ever again. So I studied a lot. Um, so I definitely went to the library and borrowed a lot of books and read, I guess, how to invest. Also, I guess, having uncles and aunts who do get into investing, um, I kind of just watch them. Don't really talk much about it, but I, I see what they do. And I guess with the internet, now, it's easy to look up things like blogs, um, Mr. Money Moustache, your podcast as well, um, Millionaires Unveiled. Yeah, there's so many resources now, right, where where you can go on and, and even investing, it's become easier and easier where resources are available, investing opportunities are there, and, and there's always somebody that's done it in a way, right? You can always reach out or there's so much advice and so many good books written. Sorry, that's so many great communities as well. Correct. Yeah. And that's that's one thing we talk about their millionaires too, is having a mentor or having a, some sort of networking group, right? Yeah. Do you have, who do you turn to in those situations? Do you have friends that are in a similar position as you that kind of help you? Not, not really. No, I don't really have any friends who have started into business. Um, I have some friends who invest but not at this stage, probably not at this stage in their life. But a lot, I guess a lot of my questions would be from my uncle's aunt, my accountant, and, and online. Um, so something like, like the money, uh, Mr. Money Moustache community on Facebook or something like that. Cool. So just, just for our listeners, what, what does it take to, to be a pharmacist in Australia in terms of your schooling and your training and everything else? Okay, it's definitely a lot easier compared to the US from what I've heard. So in Australia, it's four years study at university. Um, so you, you get your entrance ranking and then you get into whichever university you want to go to. Most people in Australia, we don't travel as well to a different state to go to university. So they just stick to their hometown. But I did travel a little bit further out to go to university. And the money... It's probably my uh, my degree probably cost me around thirty thousand dollars, but that's you pay that after when you start earning money, um, and it's at a very low interest rate as well. I think it's yeah, just with inflation. And then after your your four years at university, are you full fledged licensed pharmacist after that, or do you have to take a test, or do you have to go to more schooling, or 
you definitely have to do intern year. So it's one year as an intern and then you have your oral exam, uh, your, sorry, your written exam and then your oral exam. And so it's technically five years, I guess, um, to become a pharmacist. And, and what, what's kind of the range of, of income that pharmacists can expect in, in Australia? It actually, I feel like it depends how, on how much you work. So we're paid on an, uh, most pharmacists, especially in retail, we're paid on an hourly basis as a casual. So the more hours you clock up, the more you earn. So it can range from 60,000 to over a hundred thousand. Awesome. Um, but when, when I was working, I was working 60 to 70 hours though. So yeah. Wow. You know, you, you mentioned Mr. Money Mustache earlier and he's kind of, the pioneer, if you will, at least here in the in the United States, for the the fire movement or the financial independence, retire early, or kind of in a lot of their their ways, you know, leaving the the nine to five, you know, in their thirties and forties and stuff. Is there a similar type movement in Australia at all? It's still very small and young, um, but there definitely is. I feel like I, I feel like I've always been frugal and. I've always been that sort of lifestyle, but I've always been the odd one out with all, all my friends. So I haven't really been able to, I guess, meet that community yet. But on, there's an online presence, definitely. But it's not something that's very talked about much. Yeah, and I, and I know property there, you know, real estate is super expensive, especially in Sydney. Is it something that's that's fairly achievable uh, you know, for, for people in Australia to potentially even retire early, or is that a little bit more of a far-fetched thing to do given the given the fact that the property is so expensive in most of the cities there? It, I guess it depends where you want to live as well. If you're willing to live further out from the city, I think it's possible. Um, but if, yeah, I, I think a lot of younger people or people my generation, they want to be, you know, in the action. They want to be in close to the city where everything is so it, it is very hard to even purchase a property let alone retire so i want to do some uh, i want to end here with some rapid fire millionaire questions for you mm-hmm. sure so what's the most expensive pair of jeans or pants you've ever purchased ah uh, um it would be 40 dollars. um i purchased it when i was 20 and i still have it oh wow good for you <laughs> or maybe someone's thinking oh not good for you Anyway, what's the uh, the most expensive pair of shoes you've ever purchased? Shoes. I don't really purchase. Mi- oh, yeah, I guess I just recently purchased a CrossFit shoe because my trainer was telling me, oh, uh, I, I have really old shoes. And she said, you have to have proper shoes. So that one cost me $100. It was a Reebok CrossFit shoe. Okay. Most expensive car? It would be my only car. I have a Camry and it was uh, 25000 Okay. Most expensive meal out that you've paid for? Hmm. Most expensive meal. Uh, that would be on my our honeymoon. We went to dinner by Heston, um, Heston Blumenthal, um, in London, and I think that was probably around uh, for two dinner for two, probably around three hundred to four hundred Australian. Okay. Uh, what item or items are worth spending the money on for you? Uh, definitely experiences. Um, so. Yeah, when there's an an experience, sort of, I guess like a concert or something, someone I've always wanted to see, um, I don't put a value on that. Okay, and what's not worth the money for you? What do you try and really save on? Ah, uh, technology. I've just had this conversation with my friends. Um, I hate technology, and I hate how fast it goes. 
Um, so you buy, you know, your iPhone and then a couple of months later, there's a new iPhone. I just think it's such a waste for people who continuously buy the latest technology. And I hate it how fast it goes and how fast they update it as well. <laughs> uh, what's been your, what were your grades, your GPA in, in high school and college? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what our equivalent is. Um, so maybe for Sydney, for Australia, when you do your year 12 or your last year of high school, you have a score that gets you into university. So that my one was 93.1 out of 100. So, so that's an A average, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. so. Okay. <laughs> What's your predicted retirement age and your net worth at retirement, if you had to guess now? Oh, okay. I'd love to be able to have the choice. I, I don't think I would really reti- ever retire, but I'd have, I'd love to be able to have the option to retire at least by 45 and net worth maybe by then uh, $5 million. Okay. And what's been your range of income through your working life? 50 to 100. So just in closing here, last couple of questions, what mistakes have you made and, and what advice do you give to somebody who's just starting out or you know, maybe they're in pharmacy school or maybe they're 30 years old and just starting? What advice do you give them and, and what mistakes have you made on your journey? Advice would be, I guess, when you're young and you have the energy as well, I'd work. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd advise them to work as hard as they can and also be as frugal as they can because um, it's definitely such a big stepping stone um, at a young age. And the mistake would be I think I underestimated how long the property boom would go for. Um, that was my first one that I went through. And I think after two years I thought, okay, that that's the boom, that's over. Um, I, I'm not going to buy any more properties. And it continued on for – another five years or so so i i would have been able to make a lot more but i guess i was shy and i and i didn't really understand how long a boom can go for it's got one last question for you you know you've got this this new baby and and maybe there's a good financial education system in australia you know in the united states we don't that's not something that we particularly have or study about other countries so the the question is, is there a good financial education system in Australia? And if not, what do you plan to do with, with your new baby in terms of teaching good financial sound principles and, and stuff going forward so that they have some of the opportunities maybe that you've had as well? Yeah, definitely. We definitely don't have anything like that in Australia, um, any financial education for children and school kids. I guess the closest thing would be uh, the big bank, Commonwealth Bank, they usually try to get into the school and do something, but I think that's kind of conflict of interest. I don't know if that's really education or not. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the, I think with children, I'd like to set an example. So that's why I think I wouldn't want to retire too early. Um, I think it's important to see your parents do the work, um, work hard and I guess not spend frivolously, and because because that's what I saw. Um, I saw my mum and my uncles and aunts work very hard and hardly spend any money, and I guess that's what I followed. I, that's that was my footstep. All right, Vian with a net worth one point four million dollars. Thanks for coming on the show today. No worries. One point six. One point six. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Vian. Yeah.
Have a good evening. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.